to CyberCast. I'm your host, Nikki Henderson. As the use of mobile devices continues to rise, so does the number of threats targeting them. The U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement believes implementing zero-trust principles on mobile devices is key to the protection of data. ICE is using special capabilities, such as mobile threat detection, which looks at behavior on devices and helps create a more consistent user experience. There are also a number of challenges that ICE is trying to overcome, such as phishing-resistant multi-factor authentication, while trying to integrate disparate zero-trust solutions with mobile applications. ICE CISO Rob Thorne also spoke with me about some of the exciting cyber initiatives underway at the agency, including launching a vulnerability exploitation team and focusing on cyber hygiene activities that will help boost their zero trust journey over the next two years. Today's CyberCast episode is sponsored by Datadog. Datadog is a full-stack SaaS monitoring and security platform, enabling the seamless correlation of infrastructure metrics, application traces, and security logs. Government agencies utilize Datadog to break down silos between developers, operators, business, and security teams to get to a single source of truth and provide optimal citizen experience. To learn more about how Datadog supports government agencies and how full-stack monitoring breaks down silos between teams, please visit datadoghq.com forward slash cybercast. Thank you for taking out time today to talk with me about the role that Zero Trust plays in ICE's overall cybersecurity strategy and some of the cyber initiatives underway at your agency. So before we begin, do you mind introducing yourself and just briefly describing your role at ICE? Yeah, absolutely, I can. So um, first and foremost, Nikki, thank you for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I always enjoy uh, the opportunity to talk about some of the kind of interesting stuff we're doing here at at ICE. Um, Anyway, Rob Thorne, Chief Information Security Officer at ICE. Um, I've been a, um, a leader in the federal government for over 20 plus years, um, designing, implementing uh, cybersecurity programs, uh, actually for both federal agencies as well as uh, industry. Um, I've been with ICE now for 12 years. I've been in my current role uh, for seven years. I have a team of about uh, 50 outstanding and super talented uh, federal employees and about 150 contractors. People ask me, they always say, Rob, what do you do? And I say, well, honestly, it, it seems like the past year, what I've done is translated cybersecurity legislation into you know, actions and goals. And I say that kind of facetiously because it seems like over the past year, we've had a tremendous amount of executive orders you know, pushing zero trust as well as binding operational directives saying, hey, you got to improve on incident response and you need to expand your logging. And oh, by the way, we have these known exploited vulnerabilities that we want you to you know, chase. Um, so I kind of joke with people, but the reality is, is what I do is I defend the network. I make certain that uh, you know, the, the operators have the access that they need when they need it. I should say the secure access that they need when they need it, wherever they're at and whatever equipment that they're using. And then conversely, what I do is make certain that attackers, the bad guys, the hackers, don't have access to that information. So I provide defense and depth capability throughout the network. Okay, awesome, Mr. Thorne. That was perfect. I want to start off by asking you, 
What are some of the challenges that federal agencies may face when integrating disparate zero trust solutions with mobile applications and mobile cloud solutions? Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting question. And I like the the word, you know, disparate, different technologies. You know, our goal is to actually be consistent and use similar technologies, but that's not reality. And uh, you know, there are some challenges. Um, before I get into those challenges, I wanted to kind of set the stage a bit. Uh, if you look back to March of 2022, CISA published a, a, a document, I think it's a draft document, it was out for comment, um, but it was uh, titled Applying Zero Trust Principles to Enterprise Mobility. Um, and I like to share that because it's a great document, even though it's draft, I don't think they finalized it yet, but it's a great document because it provides excellent guidance and direction to any organization, you know, that wants to start applying zero trust to uh, mobile uh, technologies. Uh, definitely at ICE, we're using that to help guide us and, and make decisions. Uh, so I always like to, to throw that out there. Um, Setting the stage further, you know, when you look at our mobile devices uh, in probably any federal agency, there's a number of, of tools and capabilities that traditionally you're going to see on those devices. So first, we've got what we call a, a mobile device management capability, which provides consistent policies uh, and management on the device. Uh, it's really device level functionality. Uh, for example, you know, hey, when you uh, access your device, you need to use a, a device level passcode per se. We also have uh, mobile application management capability, which provides uh, policies uh, to support our agency applications, which means protect the data of those applications. And then we have uh, another tool called a mobile threat detection capability, which provides, um, you know, uh, looks at the behavior of the device, looks at the threats uh, that might be on the device. Uh, and kind of gives us a, an idea of, you know, what I say is, and, and it's not, it, 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 truly it's not antivirus, but I say, hey, it's the antivirus for our mobile devices. So knowing that, you know, some of the challenges that we're faced with, it's really human related. It's about that consistent user experience. Um, and it's also about the experience that the SOC analysts have when they're trying to, to understand what's going on on that device. So, you know, a great example of that would be, um, I want strong identity and access management capabilities, but we also want to make sure that we have a consistent user experience. How often should we authenticate or re-authenticate a user? So, of course, reducing those numbers of interactions would be a better user experience. Um, so one of the things that we try to do is consistently design, uh, you know, create a consistent design when we're developing our mobile applications. Um, and what I mean by that, again, I'll use uh, authentication, multi-factor authentication. So what we want to do is when we're implementing adaptive access or context-based access, where we're looking at the posture of the device and we're making determinations on authentication, we want that to be similar across the board. We don't want one-offs. So that, that creates a better user experience. Another challenge that we're faced with has to do with phishing-resistant multi-factor authentication. So when we look at our laptops, we've got our PIV cards. That's a, 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 you know, a hardware token that we have. I don't want to say, hey, 20,000 people in my agency need to use a sled and their PIV to access their mobile devices. That's a non-starter. Who wants to carry around a bunch of extra equipment just to gain access to their mobile device? Um, so those are the sort of challenges that we're faced with and how do we approach that? Uh, and I say phishing-resistant multi-factor authentication because we can use 
um, you know, soft tokens, but maybe that doesn't meet the spirit of uh, or the intent of the executive order to, to move away from, from that phishing-resistant multi-factor authentication. So conversely, from a SOC perspective, some of the challenge that we're faced with is, for example, if it's a, a mobile cloud solution or you know, even a native mobile application, you know, is data being cached on the device? And we have to understand that, and then can we protect that data? The other thing what we need to understand is, are we getting the logs, the event logs that we need to potentially recreate an event uh, that may occur on the mobile devices? So are we getting enough information from those devices? So if I step back to the, the identity management example, so we wanna make sure the user is seamlessly um, able to access their data, but we also wanna ensure that we can detect anomalies or uh, suspicious, excuse me, uh, user behavior in order to isolate the threat and then prevent the malicious activity uh, from occurring. And so, you know, really you use that term disparate, but it's it's really, we want consistency for the user experience, which is important for us. Okay, perfect, perfect. Well, thank you for, for outlining uh, some of the challenges that you guys are experiencing with Zero Trust and and more importantly, how ICE is tackling those. So I appreciate that. Uh, Mr. Thorne, in what ways does automation impact ICE's zero trust architecture and overall cybersecurity? Yeah, automation plays a huge role in your zero trust journey. Um, I don't think you can avoid it, nor I don't, nor can you be successful with zero trust if you don't have automation. So you know, one of the things that I talk about a lot is moving towards a more proactive um, cybersecurity posture versus a, a reactive approach. Um, it's all about speed uh, now. So it's the ability to um, identify and remove uh, the threats from your environment. So the faster we can identify or isolate the threat, the less impact there is on the mission. I often will tell my folks, hey, it's okay, you know, we may we may experience a breach, but it's how we we uh, react to it and how resilient we are and how quickly we can clean clean it up. Uh, and and that would mean less impact uh, to the mission. So the best way to here to kind of talk about automation is to explain some of the stuff here that we're doing at ICE. So for example, we're focused right now on user behavior data analytics. So this will help us make more uh, data-driven decisions. We're very much um, a data-driven shop. We look at data, data tells a story, and we want it, we use it to make decisions. So again, when you look at this from a zero trust perspective, this is that adaptive or context-based access. Looking at the posture of the device and making decisions on what people uh, may have access to or not have access to. Uh, the next thing is uh, security orchestration, automation, and response. Uh, so we've recently implemented uh, SOAR capability. I say recently, it's probably been about 16 months, but we've been constantly, um, you know, updating and 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 tweaking it uh, here and there. But this helps us gain some actionable information um, from different security tools, and and then it enables us to to uh, an automated response. And what I mean by that is it really is improving our incident response capabilities. Um, we're also looking at artificial intelligence and machine learning capabilities. This will help us identify emerging threats. Uh, I'm very much more concerned about emerging threats than any other threats. A known threat, such as ransomware, 
um, I have an opportunity because I, I understand that a bit more. Emerging threats are things that uh, I'm not aware of uh, that are coming out and they're being exploited. So I've got to quickly pivot. And, and so those are the most uh, uh, threats that I'm most concerned about. Uh, and then let's look at Sec DevOps. This is going to be huge for us. When you look at the one of the binding operational directives that was published in January, it talks about immutable infrastructure, which is a game changer for security. Because what that helps us do is it helps us automate patching, automate configuration management, which is uh, will make things much more proactive than reactive. Uh, and it'll actually save a lot of time for uh, you know, the operators as well. So I've gone through some of the technologies, but one thing that um, I think is always important is you can have all the tools in the world but if you don't have the skill sets, the right skill sets, the tools become meaningless. So at ICE, we also invest in skill sets. So not only can we analyze the events that have occurred, but we then can quickly react and control them. And then we can take those threat tactics that we're seeing, and then we update our tools with those countermeasures to prevent them from occurring again, or to proactively be able to address them uh, in a in a much faster way. So it's very important that you invest in in the human resources. Another great example of this is, uh, you know, when I look at our logging, uh, you know, two years ago, we may have been ingesting 1.2 terabytes of data daily. Well, now we're up to almost five terabytes of data. If you don't automate that, there's no way that you can, you know, quickly, you know, remove all the false positives and get to the the risk that you really want to to look at, um, and then uh, honestly, you get uh, you know fatigue from uh, the analysts. So uh, it's important that you automate that. Our SOAR product will definitely do that, um, and you know that meets one of the core principles of zero trust, which is comprehensive security model, uh, monitoring. Uh, so we're well on our way. There's still a lot of work to do, um, but automation is going to be key uh, in anyone's zero trust journey. Right, right. Well, it's good to hear that you guys, ICE, is taking the proactive approach to preventing and countering uh, these threats before they cause extensive damage and to hear the, the role that automation is playing in that. Well, what is the importance of applying zero trust principles to enterprise mobility? Well, I'll just say it's it's very important, and I could probably just leave it at that, but I'm going to, I'll talk more about it. Uh, you know, when you look at mobile devices, the use of devices continues to grow. You know, this includes, you know, tablets, iPhones, Androids, um, iPads, uh, you name it. Um, you know, and, and not only is the use growing, but we're seeing more threats directed at these devices. Uh, two years ago, you know, Apple, you know, when I look at the releases, uh, there was, you know, a very limited amount that were targeting vulnerabilities on the device. Now it seems like almost monthly and sometimes uh, every other week where they're pushing out an update and it actually is remediating uh, a high-risk vulnerability that's actually being exploited in, in the wild. Um, so, you know, the landscape is, is changing and those mobile devices are being uh, targeted more often. The other thing that we're seeing is our, our end users, our operators, they want to use mobile devices, um, you know, and, um, you know, they, they want to have the same capabilities that they have on their laptops, they want on their mobile devices. 
Uh, so we have to take that into consideration. And, and, you know, we talked earlier about all of the capabilities that we have on our mobile devices. That'll enable us to build those native mobile apps and, and securely do that and get them access to those devices. You know, especially our law enforcement officers, you know, who wants to carry around a clunky laptop when you can have everything right in your, your pocket? The challenges with mobile devices is they're always on. And what I mean by that is they're always connected to the internet. Um, so we have to have those protections on, on our mobile devices. And the good news is, like I said before, we've got a, a lot of the, the protections in place as part of our, our mobile uh, program. So um, we talked about the mobile threat detection capability, which will help detect and mitigate threats on the device. The other thing that we use is secure containers or sandbox. So it's what I call dual persona on the devices. So, um, you know, we have everything that is is ICE data on in a container and protect that uh, from you know the 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 native side of of the device. Uh, and it's great because you know the end user can use it uh, to do other things versus you know having it locked down where they can't do anything on the device. The other thing that I'm looking forward to with the tools that we've got on put in place right now is developing up what we call a mobile risk uh, score. So this is information about the device, um, the apps on the device, the posture of the device. Um, and this is going to help us as we move towards that adaptive access that I was talking about sooner. So, you know, we can use information from our mobile threat detection capability. We can look at, you know, for example, is the Wi-Fi connection unsecured to a public connection? Um, is the phone jailbroken? Um, are there apps on the device that have vulnerabilities? And we can take all that information and make decisions on what access the individual should have. So for example, uh, someone might have read and write capabilities into a financial application, yet if I take that risk score and it's too low, I might say, now today you're only gonna have, uh, or traditionally you're just gonna have the, the read capability we don't want you to have the right capability because um, you know, you've got a risky connection or we can't identify you at the level that we'd like to. So you know, those are the sort of decisions that we need to automate and, and, and be able to make those decisions in, in real time. So again, implementing um, the principles and um, uh, you know, making certain that you've got them on your mobile devices is, is gonna be key. Uh, and Honestly, I, I, when I talk to my team, you know, we've had a number of discussions, you know, we say, hey, I think we're in a good position maybe to actually push out zero trust to our mobile devices first and kind of use that as our, as our test case uh, for zero trust because we do have such strong capabilities uh, in place. So ongoing discussions, we'll see what, what, what we have uh, going forward, um, but we have had those discussions. Okay, awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Well, I wanted to know if you could please tell me about any cyber initiatives that ICE is currently working on. Yeah, absolutely. This is um this is a fun question because there's a lot of neat stuff that we're doing. I'll I'll um I'll talk about two or three uh, of them and you might even get more if you get me 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 going here. Um, you know, we continue to be a leader uh, in the risk management framework, uh, you know, making certain that, uh, you know, we've uh, got defense in depth to protect ourselves from advanced threats uh, and, and breaches. As I said before, uh, you know, tools and resources are, are super important. And 
at ICE, we really do invest in in both of those tools and resources. Um, again, if you you can have all the, the great tools in the world, but if you don't have the right resources, um, they're useless. Um, some of the things that we focused on here in 2022, and the fiscal year is, is close to coming to an end here, but it's the core cybersecurity activities. And what I mean by that is cyber hygiene activities. And, and this will help us prepare for a big push into zero trust in FY23. Uh, and 24. So, um, you know, if you don't have your core cyber hygiene capabilities in place, and what I mean by that is your your asset management, uh, your software uh, asset management, your patch management, your configuration management, if you invest in more advanced security capabilities, it almost becomes meaningless because you don't understand what you're protecting. So we doubled down again uh, this year and focused on those areas to strengthen them uh, even more. Um, when I look at some some successes uh, with patch management this year, last year at this time, you know, it took us let's say 23 days to um, to deploy our Microsoft patches to our our devices and and get to about 96% compliant. This this year it takes us 11 days. So we've implemented some automation and some capabilities. And um, I'm greedy. I, you know, 11 days is great, but you know, I, I want even more. So let's let's see if we can knock that down in half again. Um, teams are doing great there, but you know, those are some of the the, the things that we're working on. Um, vulnerabilities. Um, it's always kind of been a challenge for us to proactively and efficiently remove vulnerabilities from the environment. So this year, what we did is we operationalized a team called uh, that we we called the ICE vulnerability. Um, exploitation team. Um, and so what they did is their job was to rapidly address vulnerabilities and identify enterprise solutions um, on common issues. So what we did is we looked across all of our systems and we said, you know, this system has this vulnerability, this one does too, and this one does. So this one's something that we can work closely together to solution and, um, you know, we'll reduce our attack surface. Um, and it, it's been a huge success. We've been able to knock down a number of uh, vulnerabilities that have been hounding us for, for some time. Um, and the operational teams love it um, because what we've been able to do is provide them you know, a knowledge center where they can go and look at the different vulnerabilities and look at the solutions that we've got. And so they don't have to do a lot of research. We do all the research for them. So it's been a huge success and we're gonna expand that out in 23. Um, We've also invested in what's called deception technology. Um, this is cool because what it does is it kind of turns the traditional defense model upside down. So instead of the defender having to be right 100% of the time, um, it's the attacker that has to be right 100% of the time. So, you know, when you think of deception technology, often you'll think of honeypots. Um, these are uh, a little bit uh, more uh, advanced than a honeypot uh, because we do have our security tools uh, linked to the the devices uh, to the devices that we stand up. Um, but this is great because what we can do is um, we can do some adversary profiling if someone were to trip over these devices, and we can use that information then to um, improve our our tools, etc. So we're really excited about this. We've had it in the environment for for uh, the the past year. Uh, and uh, we're seeing some some good uh, and interesting information there. Uh, in 2021, we implemented secure access service edge capability. Uh, we did a proof of concept. Uh, we operationalized it in 2022, and we've seen some really 
uh, great things with improved network access, um, and we're poised to deploy that out enterprise wide in 23. SASE, um, I think, is going to is a cornerstone of zero trust, so I'm really excited about getting that out. Uh, and then finally, I mentioned earlier about artificial intelligence and machine learning. Uh, so this year we did a, a proof of concept uh, with uh, machine learning. What we're doing is we're looking at our event logs um, and what we're trying to do is kind of baseline those logs um, and, and then you know focus on anomalies. So it's really early into our, our proof of concept, but we've actually started to see some patterns and some interesting trends, which then we can help to, to better defend the network. So um, you know the machine learning piece might be a little bit immature at this time from a cybersecurity use case, but um, we're going to continue to dabble in it. And I think there could be some pretty good dividends uh, in the future. Okay, wow, uh, blown me away here. <laughs> there are many exciting things going on at ICE currently, and, and that's really great to hear. Well, uh, before we conclude our conversation, is there anything you would like to add or share about what we discussed? Well, you know, the, the one thing um, I want to bring up is, you know, and I think everyone says this, but, you know, when you're implementing zero trust, it, it's, a, it's a journey. Um, you know, I think the, the executive order says, hey, you've got to meet it uh, by, uh, you know, fiscal year 2024. You know, at ICE, we're, we're making a big push to do that. I'm not certain if we're going to meet that there, but, um, you know, we're going to continue to push. And, and like you brought up here, uh, mobile devices are going to be key. Uh, you know, that we're continuing to expand the use and, and automation is going to be very important as, as you implement Zero Trust. So, Nikki, thank you again for having me on the podcast. You're very welcome, Mr. Thorne. That was wonderful. And I thank you for taking out time to speak with me. And I hope you have a great afternoon. Yes, thank you. You too. Cybercast, along with GovCast and HealthCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them in your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at gcio.com. 